This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Jesus says, I want you to be radically generous with your stuff. That's not natural for us. We want to stockpile, keep, and hoard. Jesus simply asks us to do things that are not natural. Think about it. Wait till you're married to have sex? That's about as unnatural as it gets right there. And especially in today's world, when we want to be autonomous, we want to take the good things we like of the Bible, and we want to leave the things we don't like in there and live to what we consider to be the moral standard. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Now, today, Pastor Jeff continues his message, It's Better to Give. If you missed it last time, you can find all episodes on all the major podcast platforms. In this episode, Pastor Jeff shares with us from Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, about the faith of a Canaanite woman. And the big take-home is a reminder that as followers of Christ, we are to love all people, to accept them and welcome them as Jesus did, no matter how different they are or how different their views may be from ours. Here's Pastor Jeff. Now listen, so important. I want you to hear me. The first thing that you have to learn when you're a Christ follower is that we are to love all people. Now that's good in theory. It's like, it's one thing to read a book about having a baby. It's another thing to have a baby, right? How would you know, Pastor Jeff? Well, again, my wife told me. (laughs) Stay with me. I just got back from San Francisco. I was up there for three days. I was invited to the JFK 50th celebration. There were about 100 and say, anywhere between 130, 150 invited. It was by invitation only. I thought, wow, what's this got to do with this event? I sat on the back row. There was a panel on the stage. Now, it's important that you follow me here, folks, every step of the way, and don't walk out on me. Let me finish. There was a panel on the stage. Uh, Condoleezza Rice was there. An ABC News reporter uh, was interviewing these people. Uh, There was the uh, CEO of Raytheon. There was a California Supreme Court judge. Boy, was she interesting. And there was another man that I don't know who it was. He was because they didn't really talk to him much. He said one thing really... I can't remember them introducing him, so I, I, he was important. He was on the stage, but I have no idea who he was. The whole evening was about equality. And I really liked where the meeting was going at first. Because they were talking about how it's important in the state of California that we not discriminate uh, as employers when we are hiring. 
that the most qualified person should get the job, that you shouldn't get the job just because of your skin color, or you shouldn't be denied the job just because of your skin color, or your faith, or your creed, or whatever it is. And I happen to agree with that. I thought, hey, this is really good. Segregation, discrimination are not godly things. And I thought, wow, this, I'm, I think I'm going to like this. And so they talked about uh, equality. And I, I, I think that that's a good, good thing. It wouldn't matter what I think. It's good in and of itself. But then it changed. In the middle was a guy that you'll probably recognize his name, Jason Collins, who uh, played college basketball at Stanford and then drafted by the Houston Rockets and has played for six, seven, eight NBA teams. He was celebrated a few months ago because he came out and said he was gay and he's playing in the NBA. And people went crazy about how awesome this was. And Condoleezza Rice was seated next to him. And I happen to be a Condoleezza Rice fan, but was disappointed in this move. She put her hand on his knee and said, I am so proud of you for what you did. Don't you walk out on me. Listen, let me finish. The whole theme of the night was equality is as old as the scriptures. That was the theme. When I heard it, I recognized that as a direct quote from guess who? John F. Kennedy. Equality is as old as the scriptures. I wanted to get out of my chair and walk down on the stage and say, wait a minute. Let me tell you some other things that are as old as the scriptures. Not only equality, but a man who cheats on his wife is called adultery. That is as old as the scriptures. A guy who looks at pornography, the Greek word for sexual immorality in the New Testament is the word porneia, from which we get our word pornography. And the idea is that you do not treat a woman as an object, but as a person created in the image of God. Sexual immorality is as old as the scripture. And let me go one step further. A man sleeping with a man or a woman sleeping with a woman, that's also as old as the scriptures. You cannot use the scriptures to validate something you believe unless you're willing to use the scriptures for everything you believe. So here we are in this meeting. Equality is as old as the scriptures. So is adultery. So is pornography. So is the act of homosexuality. The other theme that ran through the evening was this. Equality is a moral right. Now, can I just ask, says who? Says who? I can take you to some African countries right now that will tell you equality is not a moral right and that women are subsequent secondary citizens. Who are you as an American to tell them that your moral law is higher than theirs? Unless there is a higher moral law to which everybody's subject. The law above our laws. The problem is when you say equality is as old as the scriptures, you're assuming an absolute moral law that everybody should believe in equality. But the only way you can have an absolute moral law is if God exists and there is an objective, absolute moral law to which we all must conform our lives to. Do you see? 
Now, Jeff, why are you telling me this story? Because 20 years ago, I would have gotten up out of that back row and walked out. 10 years ago, I would have gotten up out of my chair and walked down on the stage. But I've matured some. But 15 years ago, I would have had hatred and disdain for the basketball player. But now, I don't. I have love and compassion. And I'm saying to you that Jesus calls us to love all people, even if we don't agree with their morality, even if we don't agree with the way they live their lives. As long as I am the pastor of this church and the elders allow me to be so, I will always speak where the Bible speaks and I will uphold the moral law of Scripture no matter how much culture or society changes. I will always speak the word, but I will always do it with love and great compassion for those we believe who are far from God. Do you understand that? That is the key that Jesus is trying to get through the disciples. No one is so far from God. And the gay community struggles with us because they say, why do you just harp on us? And that's why as long as I've been a minister here, I've tried not to do that. When I talk about homosexuality, I also talk about adultery. I also talk about pornography. All sexual immorality is against scripture and against the heart of God. But it doesn't mean that I do not love and have great compassion for the guy who's addicted to pornography for the guy who's committing adultery, for the guy or the girl who's committing acts of homosexuality, same sex. The problem with us, folks, is this is our system right here. This is how we think the world works. We think the church is supposed to do this. If you behave and be a good boy girl, we'll let you come in here. And then we'll teach you. And if you believe what we say, we'll accept you. You know what Jesus did? He turned that thing on its head and he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to accept you and show you great love and compassion. And because I show you that compassion, the chances are one day you may believe. And when you believe, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. And I'm not only going to change what you do, I'm going to change what you want to do. The problem is you think other people's sins are worse than yours. And if we only allowed people in here that were non-sinners, who would come? <laughs> we have a message for the guy addicted to pornography, for the guy or the girl who's committing adultery, for the homosexual, for the lesbian. And the message is this, God loves you and he has a better way for living. A better way. Come to him. Come to him and let him get his spirit in you and start to shape and mold you. Would you please be that kind of church? Would you please be the kind of church that no matter who walks in here, no matter how different they look than you, no matter how radical they are, that you would embrace them and love them for how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they hear unless the preacher is sent? Or how can they hear unless they feel welcome to come in? and to hear the gospel of love and compassion and life change. Would you do that? But well, what do I tell little Tommy when a transvestite walks in the auditorium? And he says, Dad, I'm confused. 
Well, you say, son, there are all types of people in this world and all of them need the love of Jesus. All of them. Sit tight. Sit tight. The gospel's about to be proclaimed. And the second thing is, Jesus shows the disciples how to unlock the door to people's hearts who we think are far from God. And it's the key of compassion. Okay, I know I've told the story before, but I just don't have a better one yet. Mother Teresa goes to deliver the graduation address at Harvard. She chooses as her topic abstinence. I'm sorry, but I find that hilarious. Here is this old wrinkled Albanian woman dressed in a big white cloth, and she's talking to the Harvard students about abstinence. They booed her. Did you know that? I believe it's the only time Mother Teresa was ever booed. There were some children uh, living in the Boston area who had been gathered together by a co-worker of Mother Teresa when she had heard that Mother Teresa was going to be speaking. She gathered these children together. They were all children who had been rescued from the streets of Calcutta by Mother Teresa's ministry. And she wanted to bring these kids who are now like grown up to surprise Mother Teresa after the speech. When the Harvard students started booing Mother Teresa, the students thought the speech was over, so they rushed the stage. And Mother Teresa got down on one knee and they hugged her and they kissed her on the face. And it was a beautiful sight, at which point the Harvard student stood and gave her a standing ovation. And then they sat down and allowed her to finish her speech on abstinence uninterrupted. Why? Because they had seen her hands of compassion. And when they see your hands and heart of compassion, they'll be more interested in what you have to say. Father Joseph Damien, Belgium, his older brother had committed to go to Malikahi, a an island in the South Pacific off the coast of Hawaii. 72 Hansen disease patients, 72 lepers. But Father Joseph Damien's brother, he was a priest, died. And Father Damien believed it was his responsibility to go and take his brother's place. So he went to the island. And through years and years of love and compassion to these lepers, they all found hope in Jesus. And he would stand up on Sunday mornings to speak and he would say, my fellow believers, and then deliver the homily. One morning he spilled some scalding hot water on his foot while he was preparing breakfast and he noticed he had no feeling and he knew what had happened. He stood up the following week and he said, my fellow believers, and then there was a pause and he said, my fellow lepers. And Father Joseph Damien died of Malachi of leprosy after years and years of service and compassion to people who were so far from God, they could not be reached. When he died, the Belgian government demanded that his body be flown back to Belgium to be buried as a national hero. And the people of Malachi said, no way, he belongs to us. Through a lot of debate and argumentation, finally, through some red tape and bureaucracy, they came to a compromise. The people of Malachi said, okay, we will send you the body back to Belgium but we're going to cut off Father Joseph Damien's right arm and bury it here in Malachi because that's the arm that extended love to us. And if you go to Malachi today, you'll go and see Father Joseph Damien's grave where his arm is buried because that was the arm of love and compassion. There's only one way that you're going to reach this world and this valley for Jesus, and it's when you become so loving and so compassionate that no matter who you meet, 
There's not the look in your eyes of a deer caught in headlights. But there's love and compassion. And you throw your arms around them and you say, welcome. I love you. Come on in. If I were to draw a circle, our lives are about being like Christ. And if this is the center, the most important thing is that you cross over at some point in your life and you start making that journey in your life toward Christ likeness. We all have stuff in our life that needs to go. And so our Christian life is about a journey, right? But just because someone is here and someone is here, it does not give you the right to throw them out of the circle. You get into the circle by grace through faith. But it doesn't mean that when you come to Christ by grace through faith that automatically you're instantaneously super holy man. It's a journey. And in Galatians 6, we're told to bear each other's burdens. That's not a burden of illness. He's talking about a burden of sin. Read the rest of the passage. There are some of us that have heavy burdens to bear, and it's going to take us a longer period of time to pursue and to arrive at Christ-likeness. And the Bible tells us to bear their burdens. There are some people that have so much in their lives, they're going to need help to overcome them. What the church tends to do instead is to judge them and throw them out, rather to embrace them and help them overcome. Please don't do that. Love all people. Trust that the gospel is going to be preached. And trust that the Holy Spirit will one day convict anybody who needs conviction. And can I just say, while you're busy condemning those who don't live up to your moral standard, are you living up to your own? Love all people. Please. Let me finish. Another story out. I have told you. I was reminded this week of how I need to get some new stories. <laughs> I'll go back to my friend Bill McCarthy. Because some of you are saying, what does this have to do with the blessed life, Jeff? Let me read you out of Acts 20. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You will never feel more blessed in your life until you invest in somebody who is far from God and you walk with them through the journey. And one day in this place, in the right time, they walk forward and they give their life to Christ. They're baptized and they stand and rise to walk in a new way of life. I want to tell you, you will never feel more blessed than that time. More blessed than inheriting a lot of money. More blessed than making good grades in some kind of college exam. More blessed than anything you could imagine because you've played a part in something that is eternal. My friend Bill McCarthy, when I first started having lunch with him, he said to me, okay, I'll have lunch with you, Pastor Jeff, but don't talk to me about that Jesus stuff. For years, this goes on. But inevitably, in every person's life, there comes a time when they know they need something more than they have. And this guy was probably considered to be about as far away from God as you could get. But the time came that he asked me about Jesus. Okay, it took six years. So, investment in people. And then I was invited to do a talkback show on News Talk ZB, a national radio station in New Zealand on Good Friday where, we were, where I was debating other people on the resurrection and the, the power of Jesus and the existence of God, things like that. Bill was standing behind the window watching all this and when I came out, he said, hey, I'm ready. I said, ready for what? He said, I'm ready to cross over. Crossover was our term for, I'm ready to receive Jesus. He didn't even want to wait till the weekend to be baptized. He wanted to do it at his home right away. 
So I arrived about an hour later at his home. He had invited his neighbors. And they're all thinking, what on earth is Bill McCarthy doing? And the hot tub was ready, and he came out in his Speedos, which was just... <laughs> Those Kiwis and their Speedos, man, I'm telling you. He hunts in the hot tub, and uh, I share a condensed version of the gospel with him, and we baptize him, and he comes up, and you know how those, you know how the English are, they're very staunch, very unemotional, kind of like their food, very untasteful, and he gave me a big bear hug with a tear in his eye, and he just said, thank you. His two daughters and his son-in-law and his wife were also present, and when Bill came out of the water, his youngest daughter came down running into the water and said, Pastor Jeff, I... See, they were just waiting for the father. They knew something was there. They were waiting for dad. But I'll tell you something, dads. She ran down in the water and said, well, I, I don't want to be left out of this. What do I need to do? And I explained the whole gospel to her. And right there, we baptized her. And then the other sister, she came down in the water. Now, this is a small hot tub. We got a lot of people in there, one in uh, Speedos, so I don't want to get too close. And... Uh, she said, well, explain to me, help me understand. So we baptized her. So we got four people in the water, five people, right? No, four people in the water. And then the son-in-law, he runs down into the water. Now, something interesting happened. I was, he asked me, well, I want to do this too. What do I need to do? And there was a part of me that said, dude, I've explained this four times. You don't know about now, get out. And, uh, but you know, you don't, you don't do that. And we baptized him. And then there was the mom who had been waiting and praying for this for 20 years. And she was so overwhelmed, she just couldn't stand. And she just sat down on the deck and just began to weep, just like that. When I went to the airport to leave New Zealand, Bill McCarthy was the only one who came to see me off. Gave me a big hug, big crocodile tears, and he said, man, you changed my life. You changed my life. I have never felt more blessed in my life than I did right then. Can I ask you, please, who have you written off? Somebody at work, somebody at home, somebody in your family, who have you written off? Because you thought by bashing them over the head with your Bible and quoting a few verses, that was enough. No. Compassion and love and care. Jesus said that is the key that unlocks the door to the heart. And when you've done that, wait patiently. In the right time, they'll ask you the right question. And because you're prepared in season and out of season, they will find their joy. And you will be blessed. Please, please help our church become that place. And there will be a fully devoted follower of Jesus in every home in this valley. Father, I thank you for the power of your word for Matthew 15 and the eternal message that springs forth that gives us a hope that is eternal. I pray right now we would be overwhelmed with a non-judgmental spirit while at the same time standing firm on the truth of Scripture. That, Father, as we encounter those who do not hold the same worldview, we would have love and compassion, and mercy as you had on the Canaanite woman. Knowing that we can lead anyone to a Savior that brings ultimate healing, I pray in Jesus' name.
for all of us to have that one life in whom we are investing, waiting for the day that they say, I think it's time to cross over. And their life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.